Welcome to Under the Blanket. And I'm your host, Baba Here Love. And I'm nobody special. We're all the same. And we only can move as fast as we all can move. So uh, as I get free of my ego, we all get free of our ego. And that's how this trip works. And uh, we only move as fast as we all can move. And that is a tragedy. That's the tragedy of it. And it's okay, though, because all of it will. The ego is ultimately an illusion. So it will dissolve into the divinity. It's, it, it's like ice. It will melt into the water, kind of. That's the one analogy I heard Ramakrishna use before. Anyway, so we have uh, Bob returning for the third time on the show. Say hello, Bob. Hey, hey, how's it going? All right, it's good to have you on the show. That's good to be back. Yeah, and I'm already, you know, uh, feeling good about doing a show again. And, you know, these shows are a practice for me. You know, it's funny about that is that it does say in Be Here Now that, you know, a lot of people that might start out on the spiritual path, like the practice is when they meditate in the morning, then they go and do their job or whatever it is, or the practice is when they get high, when a psychedelic or whatever it is, or when they go to a retreat or they go to yoga class. But eventually you realize every single part of your daily life is part of waking up. You know, so that's what the where I'm at. So this is practice as this is happening. I'm letting it happen. That's the practice is I'm letting him talk and I settle into this here now where he talks and I I see this letting go happen. And it's no rush. That's what is so cool about it is you don't have to rush. We have eternity. We could pace ourselves with it. We go step by step and it's not a big deal. And even this. We could rest in this place. It's like the finish line. It's the home and allow the process of awakening, which is really groovy. So that's pretty cool. So anyway, today's topic is going to be uh, we're going to start out with the issue of blame. Now, uh, Bob, what, what what's blame to you? Well, I mean, it. Uh, I guess, it, you know, blame could go a lot of different ways. It could go. uh you know, putting the blame of like, you know, my life is messed up because of others, or you could blame yourself. You could, you know, I'd say I messed up my own life, you know, or uh, I messed up other people's lives <laughs> or, uh, you know, who's to blame, you know, who's, who spilt the milk, I guess. Yeah. And some people call it the blame game. And you often find in say culture, the blame game is a huge thing. Like, say uh, there's like a tragic event, uh, people will play the blame game, and they'll 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 you know blame the the people that did the tra- say it's the school shooting or Columbine's the ones coming to my mind, and that happened, and people you know would blame the shooters. I mean, that's an obvious first choice there, and some people will blame the music the shooters listen to, and they blame Marilyn Manson. Other people. They blame the video, video games. games. Other people, guns. They blame the guns, right? These are the bl- example of blame game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so people might recall that that was in the 90s uh, when they weren't so frequent. Anyway, so which is blame game? I found in my melodrama, as far as my incarnation, I took birth into this incarnation. And I, I found myself, you know, in a relationship and getting, you know, caught up and a little bit sometimes, like, well, when Elise isn't around, she's my partner, 
I feel more peaceful. I don't get angry. And when she's around, I notice myself getting more angry and uh, getting lost in. Well, she brings me down, you know. And there is what it's fun. What's funny about that is there is a level where uh, we're like there's souls. So it's not just one soul, but the one has parts of itself. So the one manifests as many souls and the souls go through all these journeys, so to speak. And uh, there's mind net. So a soul going in an incarnation might have a heavy mind net and someone might have a lighter mind net and they might be walking down the street and this person's really caught up in something. And all of a sudden from that vibration, they feel caught up in it. But I feel that's not about blame. That's just a certain level. Because ultimately, I find it useful with this is to just notice that it's the mind's reaction. So say that person is going through whatever melodrama they're going through. But if my mind doesn't react to it, if I just let that be, let that person go through that melodrama and just love them unconditionally and let them do their thing of being caught up then it's fine. It's not, uh, it, then I don't feel caught up in that. So I noticed that that sort of overrides the classic way of people blaming another person for bringing them down or something. And that's an example of that. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy to just shift blame onto somebody, uh, instead of yourself and, I think so many people these days are just hung up on blaming themselves for everything that they, that, you know, we hurt ourselves, you know, we might have anxiety, depression, things like that, you know. Well, it's funny about that because there is an ancient Chinese saying that first on the journey, you blame others. And then when you're halfway through the journey, you blame yourself. And then finally, when you've arrived, you blame no one. And, uh, that to like, me has spoke to me. Have you ever heard that one? No, I've never heard that. That's that's pretty deep, though. Yeah, it's one of the uh, ancient Chinese proverbs. I don't think it was from Lao Tzu or Xuanzi or any of those type of people, but I I saw it and it really spoke to me. And actually, maybe Cheryl Crow got it from that because Cheryl Crow sang a song where she's like, "I've <laughs> got no one to blame," and she's on a beach and she's like, "I'm Cheryl Crow and I'm so." I got no one to blame. Every and she even says, "Everyone lighten up." It's like it's easy for you oh, to lighten up, Cheryl Crow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so she says she's got no one to blame. Do you think she really lives her life not blaming herself or anyone? Hmm. I mean, that's that's a beautiful place. You know to her, get... right? You dated her once a couple years ago. Right? Yeah, back on yeah, we were on tour together. <laughs> <laughs> well, she awesome. used a new documentary coming out about Cheryl Crow, maybe she'll address that issue. But something tells me that, you know, the issue with, you know, blaming no one, to me that means is just uh, not going down that realm. Like, is that helpful to blame? And, uh, you know, some uh, teachers I've heard say it, it can be helpful to blame the not yourself or others, but just blame uh, say Maya or illusion or ego or something like that. And that's helpful. Maybe, maybe even society. That or, yeah. That's, some people blame society. It's another thing. Um, you know, so there's all kinds of ways to play that game. Personally, I find that, you know, I don't 
get into the blame. Uh, when, you know, I find myself getting caught up. Whenever I go down the blame game route, it gets me caught up in ego. So I found it's more helpful just not even ever think about blame. Just be like, it's the way it is, and that's okay. And uh, it's all fate, you know, And uh, but not blame fate. Yeah, just accept it. So instead of, like, playing the blame game, just be, like, uh, just accepting it and just, like, making love to fate rather than blaming fate. I'm going to blame fate. My life's sucky because of fate, and I'm sitting there blaming fate. Even though fate, it's all fate, I'm just going to make love to fate rather than blame it, you know? And maybe that is blaming it in a way, you know? So there's the, I just think it's not about the words and the concepts and the thinking about it. So I guess one person could use blaming in a helpful way. They blame their mind's reactions and they let go of their mind's reactions. And another person, like me, would find blaming unhelpful. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's pretty unhelpful. Yeah, in in my life as well. I, I would agree with that. Um, I think once I get past that feeling, you know, where it's my fault, it's someone else's fault. That's when, that's why I said the word acceptance, because I think that's when you start like, like how, like how that proverb went. I mean, first you're blaming someone else, then you're blaming yourself, then maybe it's society. And then you're finally, you're finally free of that. You know, maybe there's even some forgiveness that comes through that. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, Forgiveness, that's another cool one. Like, I find, like, one time I heard Ram Dass say uh, on one of his, uh, he was doing some sort of live talk when he was still around, and he said, uh, you know, forgiveness is like a bridge, and we walk across the bridge of forgiveness, and that's like letting go, and then we get to this place of love where there's no, there's nothing that ever needs to be forgiven, that it's all just love, but, you know, what some people are stuck with these traumas and they might not, they might hate themselves for something they did or something someone else did. And forgiveness is a way for them to let that go. So they could get in that place where they see there's nothing to forgive or blame or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, uh, hopefully Cheryl Crow is somehow, you know, she's dating that NSA guy now. So maybe she, she's with him in the NSA laboratory where they listen to everybody's podcast while they're recording even, and it picks it up and she's sitting there listening to it. And she's, she's reflecting on her lyrics and she's like, you know, I really said that without truly grokking what that was all about. And I just thought it was a cute lyric and I'm on a beach dancing around and, you know, that's beautiful. You know, what you realize is everybody is where where they are and we can appreciate them. Like like Ramda says with the trees, you go out and you see a bunch of trees, you're not upset that one's crooked or one's right. like falling apart, right? But with people, yeah. everybody's to the mind, everybody's gotta be a certain way. And I think blame ties in that. You ever find yourself just not even realizing it, but just suddenly caught up in like a righteous thing. And you might be watching a video about something and you're like, oh, I can't believe that person did that or said that, you know, but I notice whenever that starts happening, just catch it. Just be like, that's a judgment. Don't get fooled by it because that's a tricky thing. Righteousness seems to be the way the judge comes back. But if I just let it be that way. Yeah, you got to stop judging people. You got to stop judging yourself. 
Because, you know, I mean, uh, I don't know who said this, but, you know, there's only one judge, right? I mean, it's not you or me. It's not society. You know, it's, uh, you know, God's the God's the only judge there is. I mean, sure, like, yeah, you might sit in court someday and, you know, I mean, it happens to all of us at one point. We all end up in court and someone uh, someone makes a judgment on us. But I mean, that's our physical body. I mean, uh, no one can spiritually judge you. There's only one judge for that. Or maybe yeah, there's many- I, but that's a good topic to bring up with that, because I've heard that said by Western religios, I call them. And they they say, you know, who am I to judge? God's the judge and so on. And uh that probably well, Mark has that song, Judge Not, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, Judge Not. I wanted to get into that because in the Bible it says, Judge not and you shall not be judged, and by which measure you judge, you shall be judged. And I feel, uh, you know, people interpret it in the way you were talking, the Western religio, that the God is the judge. But from my interpretation, the, the mind is the judge. Like the, the okay. we, we have an ego and a mind, and you'll notice about the mind that if you see a flower the mind might judge it as pretty and if you see like say like a piece of shit and like a a bunch of dead birds in the shit and like someone reaching in just hear me out cracker so he's reaching the person's reaching in there they're eating the dead birds and shit and your mind goes that's gross it might seem like well of course it's gross but no that's what I interpret as judging is judging is in the mind. And when you just let the judgments be like, that's just part of being human and it's part of being mine. And the judge's role from my understanding is it, 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 it puts things in categories and labels things. And it, it's a way to the, that the, the sep- separation. So if it's judging, then you determine where you are as opposed to where the other being is you're judging and it's all wrapped in and everything and people live their whole lives not knowing that that there's more to that and um i find when you just let the judgments be and you don't cling to them and don't push them away all of a sudden they evaporate and that's what the bible was talking about about judge not is get beyond the judgmental mind let it all that go and you get into the divine place where and that's the funny thing about the Western religio thing is that, you know, it, it seems to me like a cop out, like God's going to judge. Like that person doesn't know God then, because when you really go to God and you see what God's all about, God unconditionally loves all of it. And God isn't judging yeah. it. God is appreciating it on every level. So if God sees the shit with the dead birds in it and the person eating it and that person's just hear me out. So the God sees that. God would appreciate why that is, why that person's on, uh, you know, that, that drug that people were taking in Florida, uh, Blacka, Cracka, something. It was Jacka. Oh, <laughs> anyway, it was this, it was this drug Flaca. that was in the news about Florida. Flacka. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. They, they walk around zombified. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe that person was taking Flacka and they're taking it. Anyway, God would appreciate that and love that person. And understand they just did placa and they were doing that and it wouldn't judge that. It would just appreciate it and understand it. And God would understand that he is that guy and he is the placa and he is the shit and the birds in the shit. So mm-hmm. that's my take on that. But I understand that people, you know, they want to push judgment on God because like the biggest blasphemy 
I found with Western religios is that to say, I am God, I am God, because they always have to be like, I'm not God, I'm definitely not God. And that's the judge again, pushing, pushing it away, pushing away the oneness, ego, and so on. There's God and there's man, there's good and there's bad, there's up and down, pleasure, pain, loss, gain, fame, shame. And there's nothing wrong with that level. See, the judge would maybe judge that level, but that level is just another level and it's fine. And uh, it seems just most people can't comprehend because they're brought up with a religion in a certain way. It's God judges and heaven and hell and things like that. And they can't imagine that there's an unconditional loving God that's everything. And we all go back to God and we go away from God and back to God. You know, you know what I'm saying? Well, that's the problem with people, man. We all have these different opinions. I mean, I bet you'd go and find, you know, two different people that go to the same, uh, you know, sect or uh, temple or church or anything. And they're always going to have a little bit of different ideologies. I mean, and I, and just the ideas about interpretations. I mean, the best thing I think people have always said is uh, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Well, if the kingdom of heaven is within you, that means God is within you. So how could you be separate from God? But I don't know. Again, it's, these are all these like people putting things in boxes and cutting things up. I think people are, you know, they, we, we analyze things way too much instead of trying to find a personal truth. It's like, uh, you know, maybe people even feel guilty for finding their own personal truth. You know, it's like, you have to, uh, I think again, it's like, it's nice to, you know, you know, have your, find your own personal meaning without being, you know, uh, told what to think, but I, yeah, it's, well, you know, it's, it's funny. Cause I've heard a lot of people express, uh, about, you know, the, the realm of this is my opinion and that's your opinion or these are my beliefs and that's your beliefs and things like cognitive dissonance. And, um, yeah. And I find like judgments and, and opinions and beliefs are all part of that same realm of at their walls between us and God. And we, we believe so much in God, but we're not feeling God. We're not resting in God. We're not, it's not knowing God, you know? And I just feel like these things, um, it's changing though. I mean, I mean, in modern times, even though this is Western religion influenced America, many people are opening up to Eastern stuff. And like you were saying, different interpretations of say things Jesus said, but in a mystical framework that's actually been around for a while, like St. Francis and uh, some other and Christian mystics have talked about oneness and going within and getting beyond judgment and things like that. And it's all one unconditional love, but they have been ignored by, cause it doesn't really, how does that help? Like I find it's like people get used to, like I go and I tell people this and then they contribute. I mean, look at, Faye Baker or whatever in the 80s, right? They used to say, God wants you to be rich and donate to the church and you'll get rich. I mean, it just seems like a lot of the religious people that are like the keepers of the table in the temple, that's their livelihood. That gets them their sports car. So if they start saying the kingdom of God is within you, that would go against everything that's been working for them, right? Right. Then you you wouldn't show up to mega church and give them $100 a week 
from your paycheck because you could just find God within yourself. Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess that would be kind of um, kind of a not the thing that they would teach. Right. But then again, look at Deepak Chopra. I mean, he's made a lot of money saying things like God is within. So there is uh, money to be made in that realm as well. And, it, I, you know, we're going on different subjects now, but I found this thing like people used to always say it's the Kali Yuga to me that people in the Eastern stuff. And I've heard that say a lot. And I want and I was just like, you know, I'm finally going to look. What did these ancient Indians say about modern times? What is this Kali Yuga? And there's like these passages about what the modern times is. And one of the ones reverse, it said. In these modern times of what they called the Kali Yuga, the most important things would be wealth and status and power and sexual prowess. Look in our culture. Look what's going on. Oh, yeah. It looks like that's a given. So it's amazing how these ancient people predicted that. And that's how society is now. And it also said, as far as spiritual people, they will look spiritual. They will wear all the garb, talk the talk. But mm. they won't actually be in touch with that and then we have great example i mean deepak with those glasses and he's indian and he looks all wise and he goes on conan and he talks about chakras i mean it just look they must have had a vision of that kind of stuff and stuff like in the music industry the sex over sexualized music industry and i'm not putting down sex because we know sex is a sacred thing but they're not making it a sacred thing they're like it's dirty and it's lustful and that's good Let's sell some stuff, right? They're not <laughs> saying make it sacred, slow it make down, money. connect with love. They're saying put, bring back that ass up. Let's make a nice beat about it. Let's celebrate lust, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and but it's not like that's a new thing either. I'm sh- There's been the, – that's the thing that's probably existed longer than uh you know just as long as religion i mean uh you know prostitution is the the oldest profession in the world right i mean you know it's yeah like, that's a good point i mean if you look back in recorded history that we know about i mean that's a good uh thing to talk about too look back at say you know people say modern times are so bad but look at the middle dark ages in europe i mean that seems worse more people oh, will die yeah. in the black plague plague so you know, there are some groovy things about the modern time. So I don't buy in to the Kali Yuga thing, but I do think they had visions of this time and they, that's how they interpret it from their civilization in India. So they're just, in, in, yeah. they're giving their perspective on the future. They're probably sitting meditating and they saw images from television and social media like flashing through their mind. And that's how they interpreted it from their culture at that period. So and that, they, it's, that's, yeah. That- there's that wonderful saying, history repeats itself. I mean, yeah. maybe they're, they were literally just looking at their society and just putting a modern twist on it. Like, I mean, uh, we we're you're talking about Indian um, gods and goddesses and things like that. I mean, think about uh, the Bhavada Gita. I mean, that was a huge, huge war between two different um, two different families, right? So, I mean, like that, I mean, think of the numbers of people that had to die, you know, I mean, that was not, those ancient times were not pretty times, you know, it's, um, yeah, I, I, I feel there's a, it's not so black and white, you know, it's like, yeah. um, but I do think there, there, perhaps I have an intuition about this, which is probably not a popular opinion, but I do have this feeling in my heart, intuitive space that there were, you know, people history is written by the winners and there's a lot of colonization 
that Europe eventually colonized India and all these places in Africa, South America, and uh, the sure. influence of the church, the Catholic Church, and so on, and that, all that went on with that discovering America. It's already was discovered. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is who wrote the history. So I have this intuitive sense that there were certain ancient civilizations like uh, Egypt and in India that they had some sort of sacred brotherhood of man and they were working together as one, perhaps connected with extraterrestrials, a spiritual sacred society. I don't know the details of that. There's very little evidence of that. There's people that have talked about that on ancient aliens, but they don't come across as very convincing. But I well, feel this intuitive like a, sense about it. Yeah. Don't, don't they have something where they kind of talk like they say, like all the pyramid builders all knew each other. They all traded, you know, just because it was Africa and South America, what they didn't have boats back then. It's like, well, of course they did. Yeah, know? it makes you wonder about all that stuff. Because, you know, I had a vision once when I was on acid, like years and years ago, where I was on a tall structure. And it was like above the pyramids. And the pyramids, like the blocks were being like, you could they weren't being lifted by slaves. They were being placed there, like by some sort of invisible telekinesis, maybe. And then I saw these like glowing ships around them, and it was like this amazing like connection between the people of the earth in that area and these like star people of some sort. And you know, that's not evidence or anything, but there is that you might have heard of this, the Vatican archives. Get this. This is so cool. Um, they have all these ancient documents. And, you know, the Library of Alexandria that supposedly had all these ancient documents oh, that burned yeah. out. But they, they, the, the Vatican admits they have this Vatican archives with all these ancient, ancient things like probably like the Dead Sea Scrolls. And <laughs> all of it's in there. There's thousands and thousands of all this information. But no one, no one, no scientists, no leaders of anybody can see it except their specific chosen people. And, of course, they say it's no nothing's there. It's just a bunch of like boring stuff. You wouldn't like it. But come on, you say no one could look at it and you say it's not there. Why would you prevent people from looking at it if nothing's there, right? It's like you guys are making it into something so cool. Like we can't look at it. Well, now I want to see it. So that's my plan, Bob. Why do you you think the government makes things, you know, top secret, you know, because they don't (laughs) They don't want people to know. They don't want mass hysteria. And I think also they don't want people to do what we were talking about in the beginning of this uh, whole talk. They don't want blame. They don't want people to judge. They don't want people to blame. And, you know, it's probably a lot to do with that. But anyway, regardless of that, tonight we're going uh, I'm going to steal a random car and we're going to. Meet in Las Vegas. So wherever you are, All right. you have a car, you don't have a car, just somehow get a car. If you have one, that's groovy. Okay, good. So you get the car, I get the car. We meet in Las Vegas tonight. We can make it if we go at top speed. Ignore okay. all speed laws. If you run over someone, too bad. They had it coming. They had it coming. Don't judge. Don't judge. Don't judge yourself <laughs> for doing that. Just run them over. We have a mission. So we get to Las Vegas, and then we, you know, somehow – hijack a plane and we use our dicks don't judge me we, we just whip out our, you know i don't probably not your dick but if i whipped out my dick on a plane they would do anything i asked so i just so i'll take care of that part you could leave yours in your pants so we but get on the plane i whip it out just get me out this is my plan this is my dream 
John Lennon had a dream. Martin Luther King had a dream. This is my dream. So this I'm on the plane. I whip out my dick. <laughs> I whip out my dick. And then they fly us to the Vatican City. And then we go in there and we're all just screaming about goats. And we just people are so amazed by how beautiful I am and the goats are. The, the, and they just they, they start making goat noises wherever we go. And that distracts yeah. them. So we get in the Vatican archives and then we expose the truth to the world that there were beautiful golden civilizations that have been covered up by white supremacy and the domination of colonization. What do you think? I think that's, you know, probably based on some sort of truth. I'm sure there was. But, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm always, you know, a believer in numbers. You know, you need numbers to get through. So maybe we fill the whole plane with people that are in on it. We all pull out our genitalia. They can't stop us. Yes. Okay. Well, anyway, we've reached the end of the show, and this has been a really good time. I feel open. I feel in that place, the here now, where it's all okay, where I'm not judging. I'm not even judging, judging. Like, that's what I find before we end the show, that if you just let judgments and opinions be, you just let them be like just thoughts. They come and go. They lose all their juice. They lose all their power. And you're able to open your heart to appreciate how things are as they are, as it is. So if you have a hole in your tooth, you're not judging that as bad and feeling anxiety. You might have the thought, oh, it sucks I have a hole in my tooth. But then that, that thought goes away. And you're behind that just appreciating the processes of life. You have bodies. They break down just like cars break down. But we're not that. It's just a vehicle that we happen to be in. And you take care of it as you need to take care of it. But you don't need to suffer over that stuff. It's a given. It's planned obsolescence. If you have a body, it's eventually going to age and break down and eventually die. But we don't have to be upset about that. We can be at peace let with go. it. Let go. Yeah, let go. It comes down to just letting go lightly, letting go. And this has been Under the Blanket with your host, Baba Here Love. And we have Bob. And if you, he's a music teacher, so... Before we go, if you could put out your stuff, maybe someone listening wants to get music lessons or whatever you're doing these days, put it out there. Yeah, they could uh, they could find me. Uh, I'm sure you'll put a link on uh, your page to my website and they could find me right there. It's uh, online guitar, bass and vocal lessons dot com. Huge, nice, long <laughs> name. But you could also just, you know, right off of the page, you could, you know, uh, email me or just direct message me on uh, Facebook. I don't I don't judge. You know, however, <laughs> however you want to get in touch with me. All right. So this has been Bobby here, love. And uh, remember that, you know, just imagine that the judgmental mind is just Judge Judy and just love her and appreciate her. Don't cling to her. Don't push her away. Just give her love moment by moment. Eventually she'll die and that no one will, you know have to grieve that and she won't be upset about it you know it's amazing how love can transform the mind and turn it from running your whole life someone out there listening maybe feels like every whim every desire uh something happens and you freak out well if you learn to make your mind a servant then those are not the issue you can handle what comes down the pipe so everybody have a beautiful here and now and i'll see you everywhere as everything bye bye peace